Working Smarter, presented by Calabria, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We're glad you're joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hookstra, Product Evangelist for Calabrio, and my guest today is Sandrine Asaraf. Uh, she is the Group Managing Director, Americas and ESG for WebHelp, and we are so excited to have you on today. Thanks, Sandrine. Uh, welcome. How are you today? How's everything going? I'm good, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, fantastic. And it's, uh, it's great to have you joining from Paris. Uh, we've got, we've got uh, a really exciting episode. But I think my first question right off the bat is, uh, tell us who you are. Uh, you know, how, do, uh, how did you get where you are today? Give us a little background on Sandrine. Well, uh, I was born and six months later, I fell in love with the BPO industry. Uh, but <laughs> all jokes aside... <laughs> Because I'm not sure that happened to anyone. Uh, but I actually really, I mean, I'm really enjoying, I've been uh, in the BPO industry for many, many years in several different companies. And I really enjoy the link that we can create between innovation and technology and how our people can contribute to the change. Uh, and how also can we contribute to having an impact from a society point of view uh, through the, our role as an employer. So it has made a lot of sense for me for last uh, for many years. I'm uh, actually based in Miami regularly, responsible for the Americas uh, with WebHelp and also oversee our our ESG program. Yeah. That's great. Uh, it's it's great to meet actually somebody who's passionate about the BPO industry as well. I I, I spent some time working at a BPO myself. It's actually where I kind of got most of my industry experience working for a BPO and the, the fun challenges that a BPO has to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And so that leads me to uh, probably my next question is, what, what is WebHelp? For those of you, uh, for those of the listeners who might not be familiar with WebHelp, what does WebHelp do uh, and, and how does that impact the, the contact center industry? We are, so we're a BPO player. We've been, uh, uh, we've been around for more than uh, for nearly more than 22, 22 years now. We're a global player, and uh, we like to say that uh, we we I mean we're a digital we're accompanying all digital customer journeys, and we like to think that we change the game in that space. So uh, we cover most of the interactions that are between a brand and the consumers. But beyond that, uh, we now have a, a whole set of digital content services that include kind of moderation, data annotation, and all the challenges around how do we contribute to creating more ethical content uh, on the internet and in our world in general. We accompany all the customer engagement uh, that goes between a brand and its consumers, but we also accompany their sales and their growth. And we like to contribute by creating teams that are going to be dedicated to the growth of our of our of the brands that we partner with and of course we have a whole set of specialized services that i won't hammer you with right now but we're <laughs> very present in accompanying the brands in their growth that's that's i think that's the idea and we like to think that's the, the that's the role we play you know in my experience working with bpos there seem to be kind of two types of those those organizations right there are the ones who will kind of take anything that's thrown at them. Uh, we'll take any type of call, we'll take any type of, type of chat, uh, whatever you need, we'll, we'll just be there uh, to handle it. And then there are the other BPOs that create a partnership. There are the ones that that truly try to become an extension of the brand of the organizations that they're working with. And I, I feel like WebHelp probably falls in that second category. Would you agree? 
I would, even though I think mm, the secret I think in our job is to be super humble. So <laughs> I absolutely agree in the sense that we like to think there's a meaning to what we do in uh, in society and how we do it and the quality that we attach to it. And for that, it needs to be considered by our partners as a premium service because they, you know, what I mean, it's so important. Uh, to keep your customers, to grow the relationship with your customers that you need to take it seriously. But at the same time, let's be humble. Uh, and, uh, and let's, you know, we continue, we're on a growth path. We've been on a growth path for 22 years. And yes, we try to keep that absolute obsession for quality and everything we provide to our clients. And that's why I like to, to, to call them partners, because the best way to make it work together is if we have their trust, if they have our trust, then we can build together a long-term journey. That's great. And it's it's really cool to see passion in that industry because it's, it sometimes lacks that. Uh, it sometimes lacks the organization truly trying to find that that goal. And it's really it's really nice to see as someone who worked for a BPO, I can say that there are some customers you do have that strong passion for and then others that uh, maybe not quite so much. But we won't talk about that uh, in depth today. <laughs> um, now, it's funny because the BPOs um, and the contact center industry in general got a really strong shot in the arm. Something happened about two years ago. I don't know. Maybe you heard about this global <laughs> pandemic that, uh, that 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 came in. And it's really interesting because, uh, in all honesty, the a lot of the conversations before the pandemic started were is the contact center going to be a long-term solution is it going to be something and the 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 revolution in uh, cx during the pandemic really really kind of revitalized a lot of contact center industry practices and things like that and what it actually led you guys to do you kind of commissioned a study uh and what's what's great is the the, the results of this study that came out um, are actually pretty fascinating, and there's a lot of cool stuff we're going to talk about today. This, uh, this, uh, this study that came out, uh, it's called Reimagining Customer Experience Management for a Competitive Advantage. Right? So let's take a look at that title for a minute, uh, Reimagining the Customer Experience Management. And so this whole idea that we're not in, we're not in customer service anymore. We're in customer experience mm -hmm. and managing that and how, and how we can turn that into a, an advantage. Um, and so some of the key things that uh, that came out of this, I want to talk about. But before we do, um, what led WebHelp to kind of put this study together? Was there a driving factor? Was there something that uh, that that led down this road? Well, I mean, I think it goes back to my point about being humble. I think that's one of the things that has kept us. Uh, motivated and determined uh, since our inception is really how do we always make it better? And we like to say it well. We like to say that there's always better than best, you know. And and part of that is you can't just sit there and think we're better than the others. The may, the way to make it work is to consider there's always a way to improve. So th that study and is is part of many initiatives that we try to do to better understand what is going on on the market. And that means understanding what other other companies are doing, understanding better what hasn't worked, what has gone wrong, so that we can learn from learn our lessons from that, and understanding our our partners' expectations. And what's unique about you guys being a BPO is you have the ability to 
to try things. You have the ability to test things that maybe a singular organization wouldn't, right? Where you have, you know, multiple customers where you can you can maybe uh, you can maybe try a new initiative and see if it works and and then turn around and, and apply it somewhere else and that's what's really cool. Uh, and so that's that's one I of the I think it's really cool. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I was thinking it's it's even we like to think that it's even cooler for the brands that we partner with because it's an amazing opportunity for them to also benefit from those innovative, you know, initiatives and ideas. And, and you know, and it, as long as we partner, uh, there's a lot we can try and test together to make it better. And sorry for cutting. No, it. absolutely. And and that's that's why I get so excited about this kind of stuff is because uh, when we when we do talk about learning from what we try and what we know, uh, you guys have the opportunity to, you, you almost have this neat little lab that you can test different things in and multiple times over. And so my point would be is for our listeners is that uh, Sandrine knows what she's talking about here, ladies and gentlemen, uh, when, when it comes to these kind of things. And so that's why I was excited to talk about this particular survey. Um, so let's talk about some of the key findings that came out of this. And I, I want to I want to hit some of the key points. Right. The first one that I really that really jumped out of me is that um, you, you your respondents to the survey said that 72 percent of those people described the pandemic as having a positive effect on overall customer experience delivery. Okay, so how did how do we get to that point? How how did it have a positive effect on on what CX might be perceived as going forward? Well, I think what our 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 partners have realized through the pandemic is how I mean a lot of them already know that, but um, once once the stores got closed, once all the live points of contacts had disappeared we became the only external image of the brands that we were partnering with and serving and uh and and that was that has become absolutely paramount that any interaction any image any brand awareness that we were creating through those interactions was super positive and especially in a context where we felt a lot of stress uh where the people were reaching out some of them in despair in you know absolute need need for help you feel, I think it's probably a little bit of a um, conjecture of, of two, two, you know, two events at the same time. The, the need for help and at the same time the idea that this is going to be my image of the brand that I'm reaching out to. So I think we've seen uh, an even stronger onus put on excellence, uh, an even more, you know, an even higher attention. Our brands um, and the, the brands that we serve have been reaching out to increase uh, for in a lot of cases to increase the amount of service, to increase the volumes of service we were, that we were supporting in order to make sure that the, the quality of the service would be there, that the speed of response uh, would meet the expectations of their customers. So it's, you know, basically the point is, is that the, and tell me if I'm on track here, the, the pandemic kind of allowed us to focus on that delivery as opposed to there just being so many different, you know, and, and I know that was a big part of what was happening before the pandemic is the number of channels, the number of delivery models, the number of things was getting overwhelming and the pandemic kind of laser beam focused everything into that, that customer experience and that singular focus. Is that kind of the approach that we're talking about? Yeah. For everyone who's listening that we work with, I don't want them to think that, 
um, that they're not paying attention the rest of the time because trust <laughs> me, we work with a lot of people who already all year long pay a lot of attention to the quality of the service that we're providing. But I think from the brand's point of view, yes, there was a lot of focus in making sure that they kept abreast the relationship, a very strong and, and good relationship with all their customers. So did WebHelp have to switch? And continue to grow. I'm sorry, because of course there was part of that was also about uh, about growing. You know, there are two rules in the customer, you know, in the, in the BPO industry is the first one is always more expensive to find a new client than to keep an existing one. Uh, so make sure that you keep your clients, but especially in the times like the pandemics, how do you grow? You grow remotely as well. So how do we, you know, it, it brought a lot of questions as to how can we be the only channel for growth to support them? Absolutely. And, and it makes a lot of sense. And I can see why a lot of, uh, clients trust in what web help is is bringing because that focus is important you have to have a mission you have to have you have to have a reason to do what we do and uh, if you if you stay true to that you're going to probably reap the benefits and uh, so i'm curious though uh, i assume web help had to send most if not all of your workforce uh, home to work during the pandemic uh, I, i'm assuming that's true um, and a big part of your study kind of focused on the the long-term uh, play of work from home um where so in the survey it said that 90 percent expect working from home to be a permanent part i'm kind of interested in what the other 10 percent are thinking at this point but uh the uh where this this work from home model or the hybrid model or whatever we want to call it um where do you think that's going to lead us when it comes to CX? Is this going to make CX better? Is it going to make make it worse? Uh, how are we going to approach that long term? I think some things should not change and some things will are meant to evolve in the right direction. So the thing that will not change and will continue is our obsession with always improving the quality of the service that we're delivering. And in that sense, I think uh, the pandemic has only improved that uh, that attention that is given to quality, and that will only that will only continue to to increase, and that's to everyone's everyone's benefit. The things that will change, uh, and I can talk a about it as lenses because we through the study we've uh, we've really analyzed what were the 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 points of uh, of a, you know the attention where was the attention of uh, of our people as well as the brands that we were supporting, because we really absolutely need to look at it both ways. How, you know, how does it work for our people to be engaged and to be happy in a new environment where work is more flexible? Is this something that works for them or not? Uh, how much flexibility, how much work from home, how much work from site, um, how much of a mix also in terms of uh, hybrid models? And then on the other side, what are the expectations of brand, brands that we're serving around that flexibility? Are they comfortable with it? Are they getting enough security? Is the quality of the customer experience best? Do they get access to the best talent? But also on the other side, can we give access to our employees to the best work opportunities? So all those aspects, and of course, costs. So once you look at all those aspects, I think it really leads us to thinking, how do we tailor make it to the best for the brands? while absolutely making sure that we're keeping our people taken care of and engaged. And that has led us to building that model based on those other studies that has really led us to building that model, which is absolutely tailor-made. So the constant basis is how do we continue to improve? That means always looking at technology and innovation in a different manner. How can we continue to improve the quality of the service that we're providing? 
and and the consistency throughout all the regions where we're, where we're serving our the brands that we work with but on the other side how do we really adapt the model to the needs of our clients and that's really around our web help anywhere model which is we consider it we treat it as a matrix where you have the opportunity to have work from home work from site or hybrid model and on the other side you can really also adapt the model as do you want work to be provided onshore do you want work to be provided near shore do you want work to be provided offshore or do you want a mix of all of that and 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 that goes back to your initial point around partnering dave is really the only way to answer all those questions as to what's best for you as our partner is to sit together and to build that trust that will allow us to say, okay, let us recommend something. Does that work for you? What are your priority concerns? And build the best model that is adapted to your needs. Wait, you don't just forward an 800 number to your building and then that's it? You just you just <laughs> throw people at it? That's I, I thought that's what... And get me... Yeah, exactly. And recruit them in 15 days, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, we'll check back in. We'll see how things are going. Now, <laughs> you mentioned web help anywhere, right? And so... Uh, right. a, a big part of the survey is, uh, is is talking about web help anywhere, but I think it would be really useful for you to give us a, a, a little bit of information as to what web help anywhere is and and how does it work? What does it do? You know, give me give me the uh, give me the over the overarching speech of what web help anywhere is. Well, web help. I think it described a little bit of that. So I'll try not to repeat myself, but I think. You know, I was reflecting what you were saying initially, talking about contact centers. And I think Web Help Anywhere is the reason why maybe we're not talking about contact centers anymore. Because our, or that means you just need to start thinking about our virtual contact centers, our remote contact centers, our home contact centers. You know what I mean? Because I think this is where our industry is evolving. And as I was describing earlier, we started from what are the expectations of our people? What are the expectations of the brands? The expectations of our people in general and of the talent pools that we're aiming at to recruit is really to have more flexibility. And you can see approximately 80% of the people that we speak with are telling us that they would either want to absolutely work from home or that they expect some flexibility around where are they going to work from and what are the times or the schedules that they're going to be working against. So there's absolutely, that's, that's a starting point because, I mean, the, the priority is being able to recruit people who are going to be happy in their work in order to provide, you know, we have this, this principle of happy customers, happy clients, happy people. And it's a triangle. It, it all works together. It, one cannot work without the other. So once you start from that statement of saying, has it worked during the pandemic? Yes. What, what can we improve and what do we need to improve to make it an absolutely sustainable model? What do our people expect to be happy at work? And then what are the priorities of our, of our, of our partners? And there's really probably five priorities that we have identified okay. in, our, in our partners' minds. Um, security of data and security of customers. Uh, I mean, of customers' data, of course. The second one is around quality of customer experience. The third one is access to talent. The fourth one is resilience of operations, and we really see come that coming. All the, the RFPs that we receive now is really are they really all asking for very strong BCPs, and that's really something that we we've seen coming up, you know, up the ladder. And the, the last one is cost space reduction because there's always a discussion around is work from home less expensive, is hybrid less expensive, etc. So those five topics, which is security, experience, talent, resilience, and cost. 
once you take them all together, you think, okay, it cannot be a one size fits all. To your point, Dave, it's not about right. really picking a site and recruiting people. It's really about understanding what do our partners need. And on that grid, we've really built that very flexible model, that very adaptable model that allows us to tailor make any operation. And we will do mix and match that, which is fit to their needs in terms of language, in terms of voice or non-voice, in terms of location. Do they want to be closer to the site? Do they want to meet with the people? Um, all of that, once you've taken those five considerations into account, and of course, innovation and continuous innovation and improvement, that's where you build the WebLP Anywhere model and you pick from that WebLP Anywhere model, the, the model that is the best fit for your client's needs. Okay, so Web Help Anywhere is, it's almost a philosophy uh, more, more than anything, right? It's, it's, a, it's an approach Absolutely. in making sure that the, your end client gets exactly what they want. And I suppose for those that might be listening, they say, wait, we're, we're not a BPO. What, what, what could this possibly do for us? It's, it's kind of the same idea though. It's, you know, even if you have a very singular voice only, uh, your 800 number, one skill, nothing, nothing special about it. You still have to take the holistic approach to your customer needs, your customer demands and, and address that in a way that and makes sense. And that's where sense. we're good. Yeah. And that's where I think we like to think that's where we're good. That's where we're bringing value because, you know, maybe you're going to say, okay, I need those 800 people tomorrow. And then maybe I can talk to you and look at all those transformation opportunities and tell you, you want 800 people. I will absolutely recruit them to the best we can in the time frame you've given us, if it's feasible, because we absolutely always want to be reasonable in our clients' expectations. But at the same time, is there another way to do it? Is there a better way to do it? Is there a better way to structure the teams, to structure the services? And that's what that's the kind of conversation we'd like to have with our partners. So based on your experience in in working with your your clients and your partners to deliver a CX experience that is top notch, um, what do you see as these roadblocks, right? Because, uh, and I'll tell you where I where I got this. In, as part of the survey, forty six percent of of CX deployments are not entirely successful, which is uh, it's a fifty fifty proposition whether your uh, whether your your CX initiative is going to actually kind of finish out. So, when you see these initiatives that pop up, uh, what what, what's keeping them from accomplishing their goals? What, what, uh, what are things that are roadblocks to preventing a good CX initiative from kind of making it to the finish line, so to speak? There are many challenges in order to be successful when you're creating the type of holistic model that uh, I've described around WebElp Anywhere. Um, because our industry is... I mean, performance excellence in our industry is an absolute priority. So you need to have a very clear methodology and you need to properly roll it out. There's very little room for chance in the way we deliver our services if we want to be successful. So the, the type of challenges um, around building that holistic solution are around, of course, quality. Uh, and, and that has to do with the quality of the network that is available for the people who are uh, providing the service that has to do with the quality of the infrastructure, that quality is really end-to-end, -end, that has to do with the quality of the engagement, quality of the support and the motivation that we're providing for our, for our game changers. 
in uh, in getting the, the the right level of attention, uh, quality around our processes uh, and our digital data protection. So there's a whole there's a whole piece around quality. There's a whole piece around people, you know, and um, it's very unraving. You know what happened in 2020? Uh, overnight, all of a sudden, we had 50,000 people working from sites in 50 different countries. And we had to decide that all of them would, would be working from home. So we've had a lot of sleepless nights in figuring out in each country based on, you know, and they felt, you know, we called it like we saw them falling one after the other, you know, and it's like every minute was another one. And we would have calls all day long with each of the countries, with all the CEOs, with all the CHROs in really saying in each country, what are the constraints and how do we make it to the best? And I mean, like, like a lot of our colleagues and a lot of uh, the companies in our sector, we've seen our people taking their cars, putting computers in their trunk and driving them from home to home. But then you figure out, is there internet at your home? How many kids do you have at home who are not going to school who are going to create some noise around that might be complicated to handle? All those questions are really have to do with supporting our people so they're in the right environment to be doing the work, but at the same time, um, being able to provide the right quality of delivery. And I think that links it to technology as well. And technology and security are very linked. The quality of the technology, the ability to make sure that you continue to transform and to evolve whatever the setting you're working in. And then security is an absolute need. And, and, I mean, if you look at WebL's positioning around work from home, we've always been absolutely adamant about working from home because we were always convinced that it allowed some flexibility, which were important to our people and important to our delivery models as they grew. The only thing is um, there was, uh, I think some of the reluctance was coming from security, was coming from, is our data going to be safe? Are people going to be able to steal some information just because they're working from home instead of working from site? And we've really worked around reassuring the brands that we service to make sure that they knew that their data was as safe as they would be on a site, that supervision would be the same, and that we were working with people that we were absolutely comfortable that they wouldn't be doing anything wrong. Okay, so that's great. Let me see if I could recap some of the things that maybe you, you, you highlighted there as a good solid uh, to, to make sure that we get the point for the listener. Right. Uh, technology seems to be a strong a strong focus uh, to make sure that you have the right tools in place to make sure that uh, the that people have the, the the things that they need to accomplish from a from a work from home environment, uh, just like they would in the in in the office i think one of the uh, one of the key bullet points in the survey was that uh, cx needs a redesign because it's no longer focused on a single interaction which is great right it's it's about the entire customer journey but for organizations that might be looking at a cx transformation and looking at ways operationally what might advice might you give to them uh and and how we can, how they can make sure that their initiatives are going to stick i think Going back to what I was saying earlier, probably the point of understanding how to knit together a certain number of key success factors is going to be the way to make it properly. And we look at a few success factors if we are looking at 
the way we do our web of anywhere model. And I mean, the first of all is being a global player, being able to service brands in many different languages, also to be able in each for each language to have different options, which allows us, which gives us even more resilience of, you know, telling a client we can do French uh, from France, but we can do French from uh, Morocco, we can do French from Romania, we can also do French from Latin America if there is a need, but we have many options because we're a global player. And that Web Help Anywhere approach only works if you have several options to, to offer. The second one is supporting a platform that has a very strong methodology and that methodology will cover all the delivery models. Because you don't want your client to be thinking, well, if they do it in work from home, it's not going to be as good. It's cheaper, but then that means that the quality is not going to be the same. They will pay less attention to the way they recruit people. Our clients need to be absolutely certain that whichever way we're going to deliver, to recruit, to engage with our people, to look at our SLAs, they're going to be getting the, exactly the same. And that really is about looking at it as a holistic platform, whatever the model you're, re you're having recourse to. And then finally, I think all of that is possible only if you're able to blend all of it right. together. You know what I mean? All those different solutions. So which means if I were to, you know, if I were to, you know, synthesize all of that, I would say be excellent, okay. but be super and, and, and that's what I was going to say is if I were hearing what you just said, I was actually thinking... Um, have a mission, right? Uh, when you're going through this transformation, whether it's we've bought this new piece of software that we think is going to revolutionize the way we do things, or you're looking at it from a more operational approach about we, we might be refining our QA practices, our WFM practices, our hiring practices, our training practices, you know, being able to look at everything holistically, have a mission to what you're doing and have everything serve that mission. And at the end of the day, you can ask yourself, did we reach that mission? And if you didn't, then we, we, we don't want you to be one of the 54% that didn't reach their goal. We want you to be one of the 46 that did. And maybe we can even start to bump that number up higher because if you're focusing on a singular mission, everything funnels into that mission. You, you, you know when you've reached that goal or not. And so, oh, that's great. And so basically take everything Sandrine said, boil it down to the last three sentences of what we both said, and we should be good, right? <laughs> exactly. That's, that's, that's <laughs> great. And, and I, I, I continue to go back to the point, and I kind of, in my notes, I bolded this, I, I made it large, that the redesign needs to be focused on the fact that CX is no longer on a singular interaction. CX is a long-term, long journey that requires a lot of a lot of different touch points. And and Dave, if I may jump in on that, I think now some of the the, the, the question might be around what does CX mean anymore? And I don't want to get too conceptual here, but when you talk about touch points, we are absolutely you know multi-channel companies which are you know able to accompany voice, non-voice, social media. The whole, the, all the, the, the different uh, channels of communic active communication. But I think to your point, the, the brand awareness starts far before. And the brand image starts, starts where you're present in the metaverse, for example, or you're present on the social media as a brand. 
and what role can we play in accompanying those brands in making sure that whatever their customers are going to be exposed with in terms of brand um, is going to be fit to their purpose and the image they want to convey. That's a fantastic answer. And I think it's a great summary of what what we're trying to accomplish with not just today, but overall as we help uh, other customers out there with their CX transformation. Um, I am curious though, is there somewhere where uh, someone could go download the, the survey, uh, maybe a white paper or something? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're all smarter if we're learning together. So we are absolute believers in sharing information. So all that content that we discussed is available on a white paper, which is made available on our website at webhelp.com slash anywhere. Perfect. Well, that it has been wonderful talking to you today, Sin, today Sandrine. Uh, it, such a great discussion here. Maybe we can uh, hang out sometime and just nerd out on BPO strategy at some point. Oh, pleasure, but, Dave. <laughs> but I, I would. I want to thank you for for joining me today on the podcast, and uh, we are very excited to get this information out to everyone. Uh, and so, first of all, let me say thank you to you. I appreciate your time. And uh, any last words before we get out of here? No, thank you. It was, it was, it was great, and I feel honored for uh, being part of it. So, thank you for allowing us to share more. Absolutely. Well, thank you to my guests today, Sandrine Asraf from WebHelp. Uh, as always, thank you to you for spending time with uh, us today and listening to the podcast. Be sure to uh, share it to anyone who you think might be able to uh, utilize the information on there. Otherwise, from Calabrio, my name is Dave Hookstra, and uh, I appreciate the time. And we'll see you on the next episode of Working Smarter. Take care, everybody.